welcome to episode 19 of Slaytanic Verkast, the internet's only comprehensive chronological retrospective of the world's greatest thrash metal band, the mighty Slayer. Each week, we dissect a track from their back catalogue by playing through the song, analysing the lyrics and giving a final appraisal. I'm Mo from France, and to my west, broadcasting from the from the science stockroom of Sunnydale High, it's Dr Liquescence. How you doing, sir? I'm very, very well. Um, as usual, um, I'm in one of the places that just sort of gives me great pleasure. Um, mm-hmm. the, 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 rats, uh, the rats and organs in uh, large jars of um, preservative fluid, um, the test tubes, um, the chemicals, um, the possibility that the, um, uh, the mysterious manhole um, under the rug I've just rolled back does actually go to hell. <laughs> I was going to say, have um, you any, any glimpse of the hellhole so far? The hell mountain? No, I mean, um, I, I, I get the impression that actually sort of closed permanently in about 1999 or possibly mm. shortly afterwards. Mm. It was very um, sad. Yeah, um, but um, I, I, I believe I may actually have found um, the hell manhole. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's, it's it was pertinent. never like... It's pertinent that you're there, mm. Doc. Of course, given the uh, the theme, the, the the lyrical themes of tonight's song, coincidence or by design, sir? A little of both. Mm. Um, I've I've lived too long and experienced far too much bizarreness um, <clears throat> to believe that man is truly the master of his own destiny. Um, and <clears throat> although it's perfectly true that we are free to make our own decisions. And we go and do where we we go where we wish and do what we wish. Um, it's occasionally worth contemplating what larger cosmic forces are upon us that influence us to make these decisions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how often do you ponder this? Quite frequently. So um, about once every one hundred and twenty years. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not over the top. No, 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 no. Um, you know, I mean, roughly when um, a, a, a huge world changing and completely unexpected event um, comes about. So, for instance, um, the outbreak of a very large scale international conflict, um, a terrible natural disaster, um, West Bromwich Albion staying in the same division for two consecutive <laughs> seasons, something like that. <laughs> exactly. Yes. All of equal import. Um, I, I, I presumed you were stocking up on supplies, given that it's a science stockroom. As a science stockroom, it, it's, it's, it's might at first sight appear to be no more special than any other. But of course, given um, Sunnydale's not particularly recent, but non too distant history, um, amongst the various human, org- human organs and rats and things um, pickled in jars of preservative fluid, um, there's a couple of things um, that I might get lucky um, and I might find which have been stored here since the olden days or at least the 1980s. Um, I believe, for instance, um, that there might even be um, an original, like from back in the days, hard rock mullet in here somewhere. Really? And will you stitch that to your... To your your grotesque scalp to make you look even more ridiculous? Well, um, and to conceal the face on the back of my head. Oh, yes, of course. A dual function. Um, Yeah. What have I been up to, Doc? I 
have done very little apart from play a game called Medieval. Um, M-E-D-I-E-V-I-L, fabulously spelt. Um, this is a, a classic PS1 game, PlayStation 1 game, which has been remade on the PlayStation 4. A real old-school, third-person action-adventure game. It's a retro delight with just upgraded graphics and controls to make it more palatable for players in 2020. It's an absolute blast. Now, tonight, Doc... So oh, go on. So how old would the original game be? Um, I think that would have been out maybe 97 or 98. So we're looking at 20, 23, 22, 23 years old. Sure. Which mm. I suppose in the history of video gaming makes it practically Mesozoic, doesn't it? Well, the, the, the interesting thing is that particular period is the period that looks the worst. Um, so if you go back another three or four years before that, the games are actually much more presentable today because they were 2D, whereas this is the first kind of dalliance with true poly, poly, polygonal 3D graphics. And my God, it hurts the eyes these days. Um, so, you know, there is a bit of a fashion, a bit of a trend for upresing these to, you know, 2020 style graphics. And, and it's a good thing, you know, because these are good, good games. The mechanics are great. The gameplay sound. But nobody's gonna, you know, no new player is gonna is gonna pick it up just because it looks so absolutely ghastly. Um, <laughs> we've got a bit of a, a, a bit of a long one today, so let's crack straight into corrections. Um, actually, not so much a correction, more of an apology, really. The last episode we recorded, Kill Again, has a bit of a hiss throughout. Unfortunately, it's very low. It's barely audible at times but it is there and you just know that those idiot savant fidelity motherfuckers are going to complain. So apologies to all audiophiles out there who would have been disturbed by it, but hear this, grow up, you're freaks. It doesn't matter. Um, topic doc. What am I going to drop on you today? Here we go. Favorite item or items of metal clothing you have ever owned. Think about that one. Um, spurs. Spurs. The uh, the little yeah um, the uh, the sort of the, the, the flat steel rings with three mm. leather straps that mm -hmm. fit over the top of your boots, round the back of your boots, and then under the instep of your boots. Um, I Is believe it? I've owned three sets of those and mm. worn them all out. <laughs> Um, until I hit on the brilliant idea of replacing the instep strap with a short piece of dog chain. Right. Um, which adds massively to their durability. Mm, mm. Um, but they, um, they're they great because they go with anything and you can wear them with literally any other attire such as is required for business or formal occasions or um, doing surgery. Um, and they signal your metalness. Sure, exactly. Yes, it, it, it's a, a, a clear indication of, uh, that, that metal courses through your veins. Um, <clears throat> any, right. any others of note? I've got a couple other. Yeah, yeah go I've got a couple other honourable mentions. Yeah, um, I um, I never owned um, a proper metal black leather jacket. I I, I I could never do the hair, and I never felt like I could pull it off properly. Um, but I did for a while, um, and I was very proud of this. Um, I owned a brown 
a very soft, brown, dark brown leather blazer style jacket, um, mm -hmm. on which um, I lovingly painted the Venom logo on the back. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, mm -hmm. very good. I, I um, agree with you with the hair thing. And it was. I, I agree with, with you with the hair thing. If, you, if you're going to go for like a full metal leather jacket, you do need the long hair, you know. I can't think of anybody that, that, that gets away with it. Maybe, maybe Freddie Mercury is the only short-haired leather jacket wearer I can think of that actually pulls it off. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Um, and so, um, yeah, I, I, I absolutely loved my um, soft sort of 1972 vintage blazer-styled um, brown leather jacket with venom painted on the back, and someone stole it. Mm, oh, no. My God, um, what a bastard. A, 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 a little piece of me died that day, I don't mm, mind telling you. Mm, mm. Well, it's a sad end. Um, did, did you say there was a third one? Um, there are a couple of sort of, yeah, um, a couple of honourable mentions. Um, the, the um, um, once again, um, you can dress it up, you can dress it down, um, you can... Uh, I believe the um, possibly not even modern, but uh, I believe the correct parlance is you, you can you can rock it with many different styles of clothing. Um, it can uh, it can go over the shoulder, it can go around the face. What is it, Doc? You, you, you cut out very briefly, and we missed the and we we missed the keyword. Sorry, um, the bullet belt. Oh yes, of course. Yes, that all makes sense. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah. Oh yes, a, a, a bullet. A, a, I can't think of a, of a situation where a bullet a bullet belt. A bullet belt doesn't improve a wardrobe. Um, the one I had, um, I believe, um, was 308 Winchester mm -hmm. um, with non-disintegrating copper links. Oh, lovely. <laughs> lovely. Essential. Essential. A last one? Um, I believe that's my three. Uh, that's so your how three. about you? Um, yeah, I've, I've noted three. Um, when I was 17, I had a leather jacket. Um, I was long-haired at the time, with the Creator album, Coma of Souls, cover, painted on the back. Um, really cool when you're a teenager. You, know, you feel so badass. Because um, it's so in your face. It, you're ridiculously ostentatious. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> preposterous. Is, is, that, is that the glowing green head with the cranium sliced off? It is, yeah, it is, yes. That, that, I yeah. mean, that, that, that's, that's Creator's uh, mascot, isn't it? And I actually looked to see what, the, what, what, what he's called, but he doesn't appear to have a name uh, for some reason. So, yeah, that, that, that was great. Um, the second one, I had a Nile T-shirt for many years, um, which was uh, the, the, the front of the T-shirt was the Black Seeds of Vengeance cover. And on the back, it just said, the scourge of Amalek is upon you, which I always really, really liked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> really um, and, you know... Honourable mention must go to. I do generally love my, you know, my black drain pipe jeans. Um, I still wear them now occasionally, even even though I am officially too old and officially too fat to get away with it. But I don't care, Doc. I'm metal as fuck. What do I care? Um, How many pairs of those did you wear out? Because the the ones I bought were never particularly durable mm. and. Um, Frankly, um, because of my massive balls, of course, um, I used to wear the crotch out quite frequently. Um, and the fact that they are actually made out of stainless steel and they do actually have spikes on them. 
Oh Christ! Good um, God! I mean, I, I I do literally have balls of steel. Um, <clears throat> that's that's enough so, nonsense. I mean, that's enough nonsense. Come on, let's, we, we've got a long episode ahead of us. Come on. Um, I'd just like to point out what was terrible about those trousers. Your bollocks hanging out of a worn-out crotch. There's nothing disgraceful about that in metal circles. But what's indefensible is the knees went baggy. Oh, oh no, oh no, that, no, no, that, 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 we, we can't have that. We can't have that. I reckon that no. what average lifespan for a pair of jeans like that is about six months, really. Um, you know, I used to get them from from Oasis in Birmingham for ten quid a pop, and the, yeah, six Absolutely. months, six months was good. Um, don't forget to contact us on Twitter at Vercast or on email at slitanicvercast at gmail.com. Um, a bit of a treat tonight, I think, Doc. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying whether we're going to like the song or not, but it is quite an important song because this is no less than Dave Lombardo's favourite Slayer song. OK, welcome to part two of the show. Here we play the track, pause it from time to time to discuss what we're listening to and generally just get on down to a bit of Slayer. This week's song is track three from Slayer's second album, Hell Awaits, called At Dawn They Sleep. Here we go. <laughs> Nice mid-tempo start. I like the uh, atonality of that opening riff. Um, there's several interesting things going on there. Mm. Um, the one that sticks out to me, obviously, um, you can hear the bass. Absolutely. When, when, that, when that kicks in, it, 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 it's, it's like, a, a, like a fist of the face, isn't it? I was actually thinking it was more like a sexual organ to the sexual organ. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very nice. It's not often that Slayer get on down and sort of get all slinky uh, mm. and make you want to throw some shapes. But um, yeah, I, I, um, I think that's pretty groovy as far as it goes. Yeah, there is um, groove to it, that's for sure. And it's also, am I right, it's in a, a slightly odd time signature. Um, oh, I mean, it's, it, it, it sounds somehow kind of a, um, not atonal. Arrhythmic, yes, certainly. Um, would love some input from someone who's a better musician than I, uh, who might be listening to this. I'm going to take a guess at nine eight. If I go, I get to five. I count to five before before the riff resets. Maybe five four. You think it's five four? Yeah, you know, I'm no beat my step, but but yeah, but that feels right to me. Ooh, but you're right. It, right it, would be, it, it would be nice to get confirmation, wouldn't it? Um, yeah. Um, if only there were like some sort of global resource of um, all musical minutiae known to man. Mm. Um, you know, for instance, that maybe one could look up on one's uh, home computing device. <laughs> um, we, 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 we live in hope that perhaps in our lifetime um, such a thing may exist. One day, Doc, one day. Awaken, I have begun. Lock, not slip away. Manipulate your 
are a, a, a boatload of effect on Tom's voice, more, more so than the previous two tracks. Yeah. Um, I don't think we ever quite got to the bottom of what your real opinion is um, on vocal effects. Mm. I'm a big fan of vocal effects. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, fundamentally, I don't think there's a cheap electronic effect um, that you can throw on any musical instrument um, that doesn't make me go, oh, oh, that's mm -hmm. interesting. Mm -hmm. I've, I've got no objection to, to vocal effects. You know, I think people can get sniffy about it. Um, but I'm not one of them. I, I, you know, any voice really that you hear on any recording has some kind of effect on it. Normally, at least. I mean, even if it's just like a little pinch of chorus, you know, uh, or reverb, something like that. Um, so I, I find it peculiar if people, when people get bent out of shape about it. I must confess, though, you know, I, I, I am. I despise, you know, the modern phenomena of the auto-tune voice. I, I, I can't abide it. Mo, Mo does not abide. Um, I like auto-tune when it's used as an instrument in its own right. Mm. Um, I am a huge fan of a sadly short-lived um, sub-genre movement of Japanese pop music, mm -hmm. um, which I've heard rather charmingly referred to as girly techno. Um, yeah. And it features excessive and utterly unabashed use of auto-tune um, mm -hmm. and the whole point of it is obviously um, to sort of blur the lines between whether it's 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 even um, a human being um, singing or whether it's 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 completely synthesized vocals sure um, very much in the same way that if you watch the original BBC production of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy um, there are quote-unquote computer graphics um, on there that had um, people who were designers of computer graphics earnestly calling the BBC and demanding to know what kit they used. Um, and it turned out they didn't. It was old-fashioned hand animation. Really? That's um, very interesting, yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very fond of auto-tune um, when people use it um, pretty much as an instrument in its own right, um, mm. in the same way as... I don't get sniffy about electric guitars because they're not acoustic guitars, and I, go, I don't get sniffy about synthesizers because they're not harpsichords or something. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? You know, you, well, you know, once you cross that bridge, basically, you, you, you can't you can't criticise anything else. I would say. Um, let, 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 let's listen to the next thirty seconds or so. See what happens. You know, kind of, kind of mid-pace so far. Do you think this is going to pull the same trick as was it Cryonics that that, that, that kind of started like this, but by the end of it, it was blazing fast. I don't know. And at this moment in time, um, either is okay. Mm. Um, I'm not as much of a speed freak, <clears throat> um, nor am I as much of a fan of very fast music. Ha ha ha! Did you see what I did there? <laughs> um, as 
um, Slayer fans are supposed to be. Sure. Um, I would be very happy if it kept to this pace. Yeah. Um, it would also be equally agreeable to me um, if it went balls out and um, sort of went up by another 20 BPM. It, it's one of the things you looked uh, about the last the track, end. wasn't it, Doc? You know, the fact that it never it never actually went full throttle. You know, they had, they had the confidence just to rein it in a little bit. That's right. Yeah. Um, and I, I sort of came up with a bit of a theory as to why that is. Um, and, you know, it's... Um, I think that songs that never quite get going are the ones that you always keep coming back to because there's a little bit of you that hopes it'll be different this time. Mm, mm. I, I, um, I think it's, a, you know, trying to kind of trying to play too fast is a, mis a mistake that many kind of young, young metalers make. I, I certainly made it plenty of times in, you know, in, in early bands, um, where you know, I just thought I thought speed was king, and that was it. And, and perhaps I was wrong. Let's keep going. Double up, absolutely love that. You know, nothing changes, just the drum, the drum double times. It's wonderful. Sure. Um, this might be an appropriate moment to ask, um, or if you would, we can defer this question to the end of the song. Um, are you able to understand already um, why this is Dave Lombardo's favourite Slayer track? Um, um, I will be honest with you. Full disclosure, I can't. Not at the hmm. moment. I think um, I heard an interview with him. Um, but you know, quite a while ago, and it, it, I think he's talking about the end of the song. He he, he kind of loves the last two minutes, I think. So we're not there right. yet. We're not to the bit he loves yet. Here we go. <laughs> so we've got a bit of Kerry wailing away on the guitar at the moment. And there was the, there was the swap. Clear as day, wasn't it, Got this one? Oh, definitely. That was um, the no doubt at all. Yeah. Now, obviously, back to the opening riff. I still am curious about how, you know, like Slayer's working method, how they divvied up the solos. I, I find it constantly fascinating how, how that process worked. Um, I'm fascinated by the working methods of anything creative. Um, yeah. I suppose, since we're in the era we're in now, where probably almost everything gets documented somehow, mm. um, probably any band that exists at the moment, um, in the future, if there's demand for it, it'll be possible to sort of get the, um, the little video that was made during the recorded session, the, the, the recording session when someone propped their cell phone camera up in the corner. 
Yes, you're right. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, it's it's obviously interesting enough to certain people that, that there have been a few books um, written on the subject. Um, off the top of my head, I can't remember any titles. Um, I have a suspicion there's at least one book about the making of at least one Bob Dylan album. And okay. I, have a, I have a feeling there's at least one book about the making of at least one Neil Young album. Mm-hmm. Um, where um, it's the books in question are pretty much nothing but um, the handwritten diaries that the studio manager or whatever it was um, was writing at the time. Mm. But the fact that people are sort of um, or publishers have, have, have felt justified in investing to have these things typed up and printed and then bound and marketed and people buy them um, would, would, would seem to infer that there's, there's in, at least enough people interested in this stuff. Yeah, of course. I think, what I like about um, Slayer's approach is there seems to be like a total lack of ego between the two guitarists. You know, that some tracks, Jeff will get two solos and carry one, other tracks vice versa. There doesn't seem to be any kind of, you know, need to be the top dog. And I really, really like that. I mean, you know, it puts me in mind of, I don't know, you know, the, the, the film The Towering Inferno, you had Paul Newman and Steve McQueen, and their, their, their egos were so rampant, you know, I think Paul Newman's name had to be left bottom and Steve McQueen's top right, just so that, like, the, the eye isn't naturally drawn to one before the other. Yeah, um, I mean, that's, that's a really interesting case because, obviously, um, Steve McQueen and Paul Newman were lifelong rivals in absolutely mm. everything. Mm. Uh, I mean, um, everything from cookery to clothing brands to motorsport um <laughs> you, you 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 really sort of get the idea of um these two obviously very very masculine men yeah. um full of confidence um and good looks and yeah. ability um and the, the they were the only people who could threaten each other's supremacy um i think you know um, I, I, I don't think I'm making this up. I think in the film, they both have exactly the same number of words. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Um, knowing what I know about um, Hollywood ego wars, mm. um, uh, and, you know, the, there were <clears throat> there were all kinds of factors um, at play <laughs> um, in the filmmaking industry <laughs> in the 1970s. The listeners at home, um, the doctor just did a snorting cocaine gesture to entertain me. <laughs> let's crack um, on. Let's crack on. Come on. Back back to Slayer. What are you talking about Karen Inferno for, Doc, for Christ's sake? <laughs> Remember back when we were saying that Slayer are particularly heavy? Um, yeah, I do. Um, I have actually written each of those words out on a separate small piece of paper. Um, and during the next section, 
Um, if listeners hear me choking, it's because I'm going to literally eat my words. <laughs> I went along with you, Doc. You know, I, I totally agreed with you. You know, I, I, I don't really consider Slayer. It's, it's certainly not the first word that jumps into my mind, you know, when I, as word association when I think of Slayer. But my God, so far this album, they're proving us quite, quite wrong, aren't they? In your defence, I believe what you said was that people don't necessarily go to Slayer for heavy, and okay. if you want heavy, there are better bands to go for. Mm. I believe you said mm. what people the, the reason you go to Slayer is for fast, angry, and intense. Sure, sure, yeah. Lovely bit of bass going on there. Can we hear, hear Tom in the background? Absolutely wonderful. I certainly and, can. And this track has done the exact opposite of what of what we were, you know, kind of suggesting was going. Well, I was anyway suggesting was going to happen after that kind of mid-tempo um, opening minute and a half or so. I really thought this is going to fly, um, but in fact, it's done the exact opposite. They've slowed it down even further. Hmm. Too sure about Tom's vocal delivery here, Doc. I don't know what you think. He sounds drunk. I imagine he's supposed to sort of <clears throat> sound delirious with pain and fear. And um, this whole section of the song is very interesting to me. Um, I chalked up a very short note here, um, and I've put charmingly and endearingly amateurish. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, I can't imagine that this is done for any other reason than effect and by conscious decision. Sure. Um, the bass playing in particular, in fact, the combination of the guitar playing and the bass tone and the style of bass playing, um, intentionally or otherwise, it sounds like um, a four-track Porter Studio demo. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it's very, very typical of that sound from Slayer-influenced bands that you used to hear a lot in the late 80s and before they'd even scrounged up their first 200 quid to rent a rat infested studio somewhere um they borrowed a four track porter studio from someone quite probably me um and like sort of um found like with with a bit of luck one of their uh, one of the band members parents um, lived far enough away from the big city or the, the, the suburbs that they could record the drums in the garage. Mm. Um, and then it would be a long procession of wintry nights uh, recording the, the two guitar parts onto track two um, and then bouncing everything down. And you would inevitably have to record the bass 
at the same time as you were bouncing two tracks down onto one. So you you always and that that was almost always done by plugging the bass directly into the Porter Studio, mm-hmm. and that's the bass sound on that bit that it reminds me of. Um, they obviously had better resources than that. They obviously could have done it much better than that, and it sounds like a conscious choice to me. I kind um, of I kind of agree with you, Doc, because that, what 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 I was hearing was a bunch of echo on everything, and what and what it made me think of was maybe they're trying to kind of create the impression that this song at this point is being played in some kind of damp, dank cave, you know, with bats hung from the, from, you know, from, from, from the ceiling of the cave, you know, just I, that, that's the image <clears throat> putting in my mind. And, and it's thematically, it's, it's, it's thematically appropriate to the, to the lyrics. I mean, maybe we're overreading it, but I, I totally agree that, that, that they've done this on purpose. I don't, um, you've put me in mind of something now that I hadn't thought of before. I should have. There's an Italian horror film. Um, it may be City of the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. You may even be, be able to help me here. But the, the scenes in the underground cavern or in hell or wherever the last 10 minutes of the film is supposed to take place um, are quite obviously done on a studio set or in a location that's a lot smaller and a lot more cramped than yeah. they, uh, they really wanted to show. So in order to infer its spaciousness and its vastness, mm. um, they use a ton of electronic reverb on all the actors' voices, and they use the exact same electronic reverb on the incidental music. Mm. Um, and it has, the, it has the unintentionally amusing effect of making it sound like the actors are walking around a small stage set um, with like um, a ghetto blaster in the corner playing the incidental music <laughs> because the, the, the incidental music has got the exact same reverb at the exact same frequency that the vocals have. Yeah, it's almost like they're singing along to the music. Let, let, let's yes. keep going. We've still got another couple of minutes to get through. Here we go. going on there i would say in the background that's not very slayer at all actually but it really really works i think yeah definitely um just a momentary bone to pick with you a couple mm. of minutes to get through you don't get through slayer songs <laughs> you, love them. you know what i mean doc everybody understands <laughs> what i mean come on here we go <laughs> They done got fast, day they? You know, it started off mid 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 tempo, got got really grindy for a minute and a half or so, and then they went, you know what? <clears throat> That's enough of that. Let's pick up the pace a little bit. Here we go. Absolutely. 
um, and all that stuff we love. Um, other stuff that I love, um, I love the um, dive bombing um, tremolo abuse um, mm -hmm. at the start of that solo section. Yeah. Um, if Slayer did that 20 times on every track, I'd still never get sick of it. Well, Jeff, Jeff, Jeff's I the best at it, especially if you um, watch watch him actually deliver it. You know, go and find yourself a live performance of, you know, of this track, for example, and just and just watch the way he moves his hands, man. It's it's absolutely magical. It's fantastic to watch. I, I, I recommend it. I will. <laughs> So there we have it, track three from Hello Waits. That track is called At Dawn They Sleep. Um, Dave Lombardo's favourite track, Doc. What do we think? Um, I really liked it. Yeah. I really, really, really liked it. Mm -hmm. um, so um, we'll come back to the Dave Lombardo's favourite trackness bits a bit later on. Um, in a completely different way um, to the first track and the second track, um, some more signifiers of a band growing in confidence and ability um, and just really, really enjoying having the space and budget to stretch themselves and to do different things. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was just caught out by you, um, not by the mid-paced beginning, because that's not unusual, but by the slowdown um, yeah. and then the speed up. Mm -hmm. Um I came to concur with you completely that the production style in the second half of the song is meant to give the impression of um, a song that's actually sort of is actually recorded in um, a, a dank underground cavern. Yeah, because I, I don't think any um, other I don't think any other track on this album sounds like, I mean, obviously we've done two already and they definitely don't have that kind of feel to them. There's only four more tracks to go because it's only a seven track album. Um, and I'm pretty sure, you know, I, I don't remember it, it, any replication of that. I, I could be proved wrong. Um, so it, it, yeah, definitely that was a stylistic choice. Very, very interesting one too. Um, I haven't said this for a while. Um, so I'm going to say it again because it keeps on being true. Um, I wasn't, I'm not saying I wasn't looking forward to it. Mm. I was expecting a lot of the, these, these first two albums to be stuff to be endured rather than stuff to be enjoyed. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was expecting them to be a lot more straight ahead, um, a lot more generic. Mm. Um, my fault um basically for accepting um, widely perceived opinion, um, which, as we know, is always a, a wrong thing to do. Um, and there's, there are influences on 
every single track on this album that we've listened to so far um, that are not particularly influenced, I, I, I would have expected. Um, there's bits of progressive in the first section of this song. There, there's, there's the funny time signatures. There's the strange vocal effects. Um, there's a couple of strange guitar effects as well in the first set of solos. Yeah, mm -hmm. you're right. I, I, I think like, the, the, the atonality of the, of the opening riff as well is, is, is very, very, um, very, very unusual, you know? Yeah, um, I mean, that's almost something you might have expected to hear on a, a sort of a, a, a post-punk album. Um, yeah. I don't think that atonality, I don't think it would have sounded out of place on something by Public Image Limited um, or um, Gang of Four, no, not so much. Um, possibly even Killing Joke. Mm -hmm. No, yeah, I, I totally agree. Quite nice. Yeah, I totally agree. And um, you, you mentioned progressive, and that was a word that was in my in my mind as well. And not really just for the first <clears throat> bit that you referenced, but I, I kind of think the, the the structure of the song itself is kind, you know, it's kind of progressive, certainly experimental. Um, <clears throat> you know, and and then Dave's kind of crazed drum roll at the end there. It doesn't matter how many times I listen to this song, I cannot get the timing right of when that is going to end. It's very, 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 very odd timing. Um, so he's, he's doing something unusual there. And maybe that, maybe that explains why, why he loves his song so dearly. I mean, in the end, you cannot get more prog um, than a drum solo in a funny time signature. Yeah. I, 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 I can't um, nail it. I, I, I just did it then. As we were listening to it, in my head, I was trying to, trying to hit the end, and I missed it again every single time. Do you think that that end section by itself, um, if you were Dave Lombardo, um, I mean, I can think of Dave Lombardo performances that I enjoy more than the Dave Lombardo performance on that track. Mm -hmm. um, if the chap says it's his favourite Slayer song, um, then um, what am I about to do? Call, the, to call Dave, Dave Lombardo a liar? Say, Dave Lombardo, you don't know nothing about playing them drums. Exactly. Who are we to argue, you know? Precisely. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just one of those things that's um, a bit of an eternal mystery to me. I, 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 I don't particularly understand why he would pick out that bit um, or this song as, as, as his favourite Slayer song, and I expect mm. it will continue to be a mystery to me. Mm, mm. Um, yeah. The last thing I want to mention before wrapping up this section is that, you know, there's wonderful kind of bass flurries during that end section as well. Crystal clear. At no other point in Slayer's career will we hear the bass quite this clearly. And it was absolutely wonderful just to hear Tom riding up and down that fretboard. I loved it. And did you notice a completely different production style and a completely different bass sound in the last section? Yeah, so you're right. In, in section in section two, it had that very cardboard, plug straight into the mic socket, four-track porter studio, um, recorded on the bounce down, so you can't change the levels in post-production or anything like that. Mm. And then in section three, it's a completely different bass sound. Mm. He's playing in a completely different style, <clears throat> um, which once again leads me to suspect that the the sloppiness and the incompetence of the bass playing in section two was intentional, yeah. um, along with the... Um, sort of slightly garbled, atonal, arrhythmical vocals. Yeah. Um, the only conclusion I can reach um, is that both of those choices were choices. They were completely intentional. 
Yeah, um, I totally and what agree. you're hearing on the track is exactly what they intended to be there. Totally agree. Any, anything else before we uh, press on? Um, no, I really enjoyed that song. Welcome to part three of the show, Evil Speak. Here, we read through and dissect the lyrics that Tom is generally screaming in our ever eager moors. So here goes. Awaken. Awakened, I have become. Light now slips away. Manipulate your mind. Darkness is my slave. Taste the sins of hell. The blood that I so crave. The last thing that you see is the hunger in my eyes. We're in Hammer Horror Territory, aren't we? That, 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 that's where we're at. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah. Um, and a subtly different, or no, not subtly different, a very different kind of, uh, of horror territory. Um, to the sort of rather sloppy slasher territory we were in with the lyrics of the last track. Yeah, um, we're um, we're in European horror horror territory now. I agree. Um, we're in the territory of horror where, um, however vile the maggots and the flesh eating and the decomposition <laughs> and the brain eating priests are. Um, the thing you should be really scared about is madness and losing your soul and losing yourself. Mm-hmm. Do, um, do, do, do you think it is the uh, the kind of horror where you would have kind of outright gore? Because I, I, I don't get that feel from it at all. I think this is, you know, I can see Peter Cushing or Vincent Price in this in this particular movie. You're not wrong. Mm. Um, didn't think of it. Uh, mm. But now you said it, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, more Vincent Price than Peter Cushing. In yeah, fact, I agree. Now you've set me on this track. <laughs> um, this makes you think of um, AIP Edgar Allan Poe adaptation, um, Pit and the Pendulum, or The Fall yeah. of the House of Usher, or something. Yeah, like of course. Yeah, yeah. And for some reason, I had Theatre of Blood in my mind as well. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um. um the only line that really that really jumped out at me from this particular little um, section was manipulate your mind. I thought that was pretty interesting. Now, uh, do you know, Doc, in vampire lore, are they able to kind of influence people telepathically? I think hypnosis is one of the um, sort of powers that's ascribed to vampires. If we go back to not necessarily the Sheridan Le Fanu model, but the Bram Stoker model, mm-hmm. then um, Dracula has um, been able to uh, enslave um, Renfield, the madman. Um, and even though Renfield's locked up in a lunatic asylum, um, Dracula can still give him instructions by remote control. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Very, very interesting, yes. Um, I've got nothing else to say about these, these lines particularly, because I think they're... Self-evident. I, I, I don't think there's any layers here, Doc. Um, well, I need to get back to the, the Sheridan Le Fanu model um, mm. just for a second. because You, sure. you, you asked the question and um, I, uh, I'd be doing you a disservice if I didn't give you a complete answer. Yeah, please. Um, manipulate. Um, 
in Lafanu, and this is the aspect of vampire lore that I think was cottoned onto a lot more by European horror filmmakers. Um, the vampire can um, hypnotize you or, or can dominate you using mental power, but because vampires tend to be um, vain and attractive creatures, um, that they'd, they'd rather you. seduce you, they'd rather manipulate you. Mm. Um, they'd rather try and find some chink in the armor of your personality and manipulate you or, or convince you that assisting the vampire or bringing victims to the vampire or something um, is something you would have done of your own free will. Um, yeah. And all they've done is nudge you gently in that direction. Yeah, all, um, all, all so the better. All the, be all the better yeah. if they can convince you that it's your idea. Yes. Um, Slayer is certainly not shy of using words like enslave or force or dominate. And mm -hmm. the, the word they clearly choose to use here is manipulate. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, enough of, that block, enough of that block of lyrics. Shall we move on to the next one? Here we go. It's the chorus. Blood-sucking creatures of the night, nocturnal spectre hiding from the light, cries screaming out every fright, eagerly awaiting bite. <laughs> oh my fucking word! <laughs> These are Kerry King lyrics, aren't they? These are Kerry King lyrics, aren't they? We'll find out. I don't care what help. man has his name on the sheet. I, I almost don't care who claims they wrote these lyrics. Um, I've been studying Slayer for long enough now. When we see that A, 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 A time signature, yeah, that's yeah, Kerry yeah. King. Yeah, you, you, I, 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 I suspect you are correct. Um, and just that the word bite. Um, apparition from the pits of hell. Death plagues the streets in which they dwell. Demented lust. Secrets they must keep. Addicted to your blood. A great title, isn't it? At dawn they sleep. Really, really, really evocative. Oh. Yeah. Um, anything jump out at you, Doc? Um, right. Death plagues the streets in which they dwell. Um, maybe a coincidence, maybe a reference to the, the original, uh, the very first vampire film, um, Nosferatu from 1928, mm -hmm. I do believe. Um, so it's become fashionable recently to use vampirism as a metaphor for um, HIV or drug addiction. Sure. Um, and, but in 1928, um, it was used very much as a metaphor for what well, the, um, the Black Death or a disease very much like the Black Death um, was seen to be operating side by side with the influence of the vampire. Uh, yeah. The appearance of Nosferatu the vampire um, in every town that his coffin passes through mm -hmm. um, is hallmarked by an outbreak of bubonic plague um, and an infestation of rats. Yes, I remember. Yeah. Demented lust. Um, and then we're back in Sheridan Lefano territory, um, mm -hmm. who um, I am really, really glad um, that guy has sort of gotten the props he deserves recently as being at least an a, a, a 
a co-creator or as influential a creator of 20th century vampire law um, as Bram Stoker. Mm. Um, I mean, um, Le Fanu, uh, obviously of greatest interest to me, um, sort of pretty much came up with um, what we sort of now understand to be the the, the notional lesbian vampire, which is mm-hmm. obviously far more interesting to me than some bloke in an opera cape. Of course, yes. Um, Tom, Tom Cruise wearing a frill. Who cares? And yeah, I mean, honestly, um, given the choice between Tom Cruise reading you some poetry, right. um, or um, Ingrid Pitt making out with Vary Leon, mm-hmm. um, honestly, mm-hmm. is it even a competition? Yes, yeah, well, you know, I, I once responded to somebody who asked me, do you like interview with a vampire? And I said, of course I don't, because I have a pair of balls swinging between my legs, um, which maybe was a, a tad unfair, but, but I felt it was justified at the time. Um, demented lust, I, I do like that as, a, as, as an adjective noun combo. It's quite striking. Um, secrets they must keep. What, 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 what secrets? What are they talking about? Um. I assume it's a reference to the fact that in 20th century vampire law, um, vampires do their best to try and pass as regular human beings. Um, Nosferatu being the exception, because the, the whole sort of grey skin, fangs, bat ears. Oh, yes, um, of course. Uh, I don't even believe that Yorkshire people thought that that's what Germans looked like in <laughs> 1928. Mm. Um the other word that's the, the other the, the only other word that jumps out at me here is this apparition from the pits of hell. Now again, you know, in vampire law, are vampires from hell? I don't, I don't make that connection in my brain. I don't know about you, Doc. Vampire law is now so broad and vast. Um, yeah. I can think of at least one um, Hammer film, um, and I'll see if I can do the voice. I probably won't quite get it right, but um, here we go. Cushing says, "Here we go, folks. We love it when the doctor's a voice. Here we go." Let me explain. When Satan chooses a pathetic victim on whom to inflict his dread curse of the vampire, so uh, Peter Cushing says it. Very good. Peter on. Cushing says it. Then it, it, it's true. Yeah, of course it is. Of course it is. Any any further observations, or should we move on to the next uh, set of lyrics? Well, there's some choice lyrics coming up, and I can't wait. So let's get on to them. Here we go. Unveil the hidden coffin, lift the lid, lift the lid of terror, feel the deadly cold, freeze you from inside, perceiving your intentions to slay the phantom form, raise the stake in malice, you cannot plunge it down. Okay, so somebody's obviously trying to to, ki- to kill the vampire while it's while it slumbers in its coffin. Yeah, <laughs> go on. What, what, what are you taking out of this, Doc? This just reminds me of um, the original 1958 Hammer Dracula. Um, and it's a film to keep away from people whose criticism of horror films is always that the protagonists do stupid things and that's why they get killed. Sure. Um, if you've ever met anyone who propounds that argument, 
do not show them the 1958 Hammer Dracula, whatever you do, because it contains a scene where Jonathan Harker has journaled to Transylvania, um, has discovered that Count Dracula is a vampire, has escaped from confinement, has discovered the secret of how to kill a vampire, he's obtained a stake, he's obtained a hammer, he's gained ingress into Dracula's tomb, he's broken open the lid of Dracula's coffin, um, he's looking down at Dracula with the hammer and the stake in his hand, and what does he do? He goes and looks in the other coffin. Oh, okay. And mm -hmm. by the time he's finished looking in the other coffin, the sun <laughs> has come up, and when he looks over his shoulder, what do you suppose he should see standing behind him but the six-foot-four Lord of the Dead who looks like Christopher Lee and, his, <laughs> and who is about to snap his neck like a twig? It, it is funny that, that, that um, he always does look like Christopher Lee, isn't it? That, that, is, a mis that is mysterious. You're right. I, 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 never, I never made that connection before. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, grey skin, bangs, bat ears, yeah. notwithstanding. Yeah, he, he normally does look quite a bit like Christopher Lee. He does, yeah. Um, Go on. Um, Any particular lines leaping out at you, Doc? Uh, I mean, for me, the first, thing, the, first thing, the first thing I noted was the hidden coffin reference. Now, because that's really the first, you know, we, we, we've, we've had a, a, a verse, a chorus, and now in the second verse, and that's really the first true confirmation that we are, we are dealing with vampires. Um, because before that, it could have been any kind of, you know, any, any kind of blood-draining beast. He couldn't it really, but, but clearly the coffin, that, 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 that nails it, as it were. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, do you think this word unveil the hidden coffin? Mm. Um, do you think that's, do you think that the, the word unveil um, or the reference to a veil um, mm. is used here um, because it's a cool sounding word? Or do you imagine here that we're, we're supposed to imagine the coffin um, in an alcove yeah. or possibly um, yeah. in, in a temple? And I'm going to invite you to think of the drawings you've probably seen of the, the original Solomon's Temple um, in Jerusalem, where the, um, the Holy of Holies um, was obviously accessible only by the high priests, mm. but it was visible to the common congregation um, through, through a veil. Mm. Mm. Um, For me, so, you know, I, I think the word in my mind kind of planted a, a, an image of the, the, the coffin itself and it is covered by some kind of like purple satin sheet or cover um i don't I, that that would presume that he has some kind of minions that put it in place once he goes to sleep during the day uh, but but that's certainly what i see in my head with that with that line um um, his vampire brides were well, missing. Well, exactly. You know, so, so, some, so, somebody enthralled to him. He, he's doing his uh, his covering work. Um, perceiving your intentions, I thought was an interesting line. Who is perceiving the intentions? I don't understand who, who who's doing the perceiving here. Oh, um, uh, it's the vampire uh, who you're meant to is is, is asleep. Um, I'm sure this scene has been in at least 125 different films. Yeah. Um, where the guy lifts the, the, the guy lifts the coffin lid, and Count Dracula or Count Orlock or whatever it's called is there asleep in his coffin. Yeah. And the guy steals himself and puts the point of the stake on his chest and raises the hammer, um, and he closes his eyes to drop the hammer, and in an instant, the arms around his wrist, and he yeah. opens his eyes, and the vampire's looking back at him. Get it. 
Um, I, I get it. Call along. I get that, but it, it's the combination of the two lines: perceiving your intentions to slay the phantom form. So, if it's the vampire that's doing the perceiving, why is why is he not referring, to, you know, to slay his phantom form or to slay my phantom form? It's that the which makes it very impersonal. And, that, and that's what confused me about the perspective. Do you, what, do you see what I'm banging on about, Doctor? Or is that just me being a bit anal? No, I don't think it is. Um, and there's there's a bit of confusion in my mind as well, which is you get into Slayer lyrics like this, and sometimes the lyrics are so sloppy and so mm. slapdash mm. that you really end up going, no, these are just bad lyrics. Yeah. Um, and then you end up finding things like this, um, use of tense, use of very specifically wrong bits of grammar. Mm -hmm. um, I think I've said this before, but um, it's very Lovecraftian. Um, one of the first things people who study literature say when they read Lovecraft for the first time is, this is terrible writing. Yeah. <clears throat> and it really is. But... In my opinion, um, all of that stuff that looks like bad writing um, is done for one of several reasons. Um, it's to make the writing appear that it's the literal ramblings of a madman. Mm -hmm. um, it's to make the writing appear as though it's someone struggling very hard to make sense um, of events that have happened whilst time is in flux or whilst the human senses are being bent out of shape by the forces involved. Yeah. Um, or sometimes it's someone intelligent um, writing a possibly verbatim account of some sort of backward savage or um, sort of inbred mutant from some tiny Massachusetts town. Mm. Um, so I don't think it's bad writing. Um, I think it's um, a very clever man who clearly can write bending language out of shape um, for effect. Mm. And this is what I find frustrating because at pretty much the exact same time, um, James Joyce and Virginia Woolf were being were, were regarded as literary geniuses for doing the exact same thing, for yeah, bending it, it, language it, it, out of shape. It's Lovecraft's um, subject matter, isn't it? That's the problem. You know, the, the literary snobs were never going to accept, you know, anything to do with, you know, huge indescribable monsters emerging from the sea and you know kind of the cthulhu mythos and all of this kind of stuff that's the problem for lovecraft unfortunately um anything else on this doc or should we uh should we press on well um once again i feel a bit of an obligation to try to answer your question um uh, perceiving your intentions to slay the phantom form and i think there's miss i think there's something missing here yeah. In the style of Lovecraft, I think you're expected to complete the sentence by yourself. Um, perceiving your intentions to slay the phantom form, dot, 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 um, of um, the thing whose corporeal form you can see in the coffin. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, there's something implicit the there. The, yeah, the thing you can see in the coffin. Um, we mentioned the program already. Um, I'm going to quote directly from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. Here, where um, Buffy confronts someone who desires to be converted into a vampire, and the chap in question thinks that he's going to get all of these powers of mm -hmm. immortality 
um, and being able to fly and being able to turn into some mist or something. I remember and this Buffy episode, yeah. By saying, yeah, Buffy corrects him by saying, that's not how it works. Um, the demon kills you and sets up house in your body. It'll mm. look like you. For a little while, at least, even your friends will think it is you, um, but it won't be. Mm. Mm. Yeah, very, very interesting. Yeah. Um, next verse, here we go. Beware the image of the sea. Stop the soul of your company. To the damnation shedding, your just reward. A servant of our Lord by your accord. March of Christopher. Impalement in immortality score. Rise for fast debate. To lie, torment, certain death. Beware the image unseen stalks your soul. Your corpse is redeemed. Eternal damnation, your just reward. A servant of our Lord by your accord. Admonish of cruciform. Impalement, immortality scorned. Rise, hold fast your faith to lie dormant is certain death. Um, I, quite like, I, I, I do like these words, but it, it, it's a very, very odd structure, isn't it? It's a very odd structure, um, and it's only a not completely successful attempt at expressing some complex concepts. Sure. Um, the concepts I believe it is expressing are um, the ones uh, I just quoted Miss Summers mm -hmm. um, saying, um, beware the image unseen. The image unseen is a reference to the fact that vampires don't have reflections. Of in course. <clears throat> um, your corpse is redeemed. Um, I think he means your corpse is redemption, doesn't he? So effectively, um, the staking um, kills the demon that's now um, occupying um, the lump of meat that once was you. And then I took I it, think, I, generally I, I, speaking. I, sorry, Doc, I, I took the word redeem there to be almost like as kind of a payment. Your corpse is the payment. You know, like you can redeem a voucher to get money off something. That's the way that I read that line. Yeah. Well, who knows? Um, okay, let's think about that for a second. Yeah. Um, the image and scenes, your soul, your corpses redeem. Um, so your, 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 your body is the price um, for the reward that you're going to get. In this case, unfortunately, it is eternal damnation. You know, maybe not, maybe not the reward that was expected, but that's what you're going to get, just as Buffy explained. I've never particularly got the idea that um, the 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 right and proper owner of the lump of meat that the vampire is now walking round in. Mm. I never particularly got the idea that that, that they were supposed to be damned. Mm. Um, I thought the idea of um, suppressing them with the crucifix and then slaying them um, was actually supposed to liberate their own soul um, and allow them to go on to... Um, Presumably there'd be some sort of purgatory involved. Sure. Um, I don't suppose, whatever god you worship, I don't suppose your god is going to be particularly delighted about the fact that you've invited an evil spirit to enter your body. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I, I, I don't know, um, I can't think of an a, a specific bit of vampire law off the top of my head that says, and once the vampire has been killed and your <laughs> body returns to form and crumbles to dust, then you'll be damned, so fuck you. Yeah, no, 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 I think you're right. Again, I think we, we have an example here, just as in the in the last track, and, and well, several tracks really, it's like a, a hodgepodge of, of different lore being dragged in, just almost just to fit, just to, just to, just to fit the, um, 
the 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 scheme of the of the rhyme or the scheme of the meter. Yeah, and just so Tom can talk about eternal damnation at least once mm. per track. Exactly. You know. Um, and anything else there? The, the, the next one for me would be the admonish of cruciform. Admonish of cruciform. What on earth does that mean? <laughs> it's one of those thrash metal lyrics that, um, by itself, if you didn't know it was Slayer, you'd have to say, are they German? Um, <laughs> it's certainly not uh, the kind of line you expect a native English speaker to write, is it? Let's be honest. It really is. No. Um, um, <clears throat> once again, um, it's, it's someone trying to sound a bit more sophisticated. Probably, in his notebook, he first wrote down, punished with a cross. <laughs> <laughs> and then he got the big <laughs> thesaurus out and switched yes. a couple of words around. Yeah, you're probably right. That's right. Go on then, Doc. Anything else before we before we crack on with the next bit? Well, honestly, there isn't a metal song in the world that was written ever that couldn't have been improved by the by including the word impalement. There just isn't. <laughs> well, we, we, we do like impalement, don't we? Um, it is yeah. fun. Um, <clears throat> I also like that, that line, rise, hold fast your faith. But that, 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 actually, that's a really nice bit of writing, I would say. In contradiction to the previous line about eternal damnation, you're just a reward. Um, I think it's... I think it's Slayer being quite soothing. Um, mm. I think it's, it's, it's Slayer offering the chance um, of your corpses redeem. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You, you will not be admonish. Yeah. You're right. Um, <laughs> 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 oh God. Next few. Next few lines. Here we go. Driven by the instincts of centuries of horror, implanted on the brain of the sickening parasite, linked together by one trait, the hellborn need to kill, 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 kill. I fucking love this section of the song. What, 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 what a great six lines that is, man. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, there's, uh, there's literally so much to dig out of this. Mm -hmm. um, Driven by the instinct of centuries of horror, um, vampires are immortal. Um, whatever lump of meat you think you're looking at, um, it's reasonable to assume that the, the evil spirit residing in it um, has had several hosts. Mm -hmm. um, which is the film, which is the, the vampire film from the 80s with um, Catherine Deneuve and David Bowie in it? Oh, um, yes, with Bowie. I'll particular. think of it later on. Yes. Um, We'll put it. We'll put it in corrections can, if, if we can't. Can you remember the scene? Can you remember the scene where um, someone discovers Catherine Deneuve, who's the vampire, um, discovers all of her previous hosts um, stored in the attic of her house, mm. um, and they're um, they've basically um, worn out and stopped functioning as functional bodies, um, but they're. They're still immortal, and basically they've got um, lock-in syndrome forever. Oh dear, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a really, really ghastly piece of imagery. 
Mm. But that's, that's always a great um, ending, isn't it? You know, with somebody trapped for eternity. You know, that, that that makes me think of the five doctors, for God's sake. Yes. Yeah. Um, and there's a fan, there's a fabulous Sean Hudson book that there's a fantastic Sean Hudson book that uses the same trick. I just can't remember. I can't remember which one it is. But anyway, anybody listening to this, just read all of Sean Hudson's book books. You'll do yourself a favour. Um, also. I wish to point out that um, Modes made an appalling tautology, a piece of absolute linguistic redundancy. <laughs> Go on, what have I done? Um, there is no such thing as great. Well, you, you, you felt the need to say there's a great Sean Hudson book, uh, as if Sean Hudson books need a quality. You know, there's a Sean Hudson book. They're all great. It's automatic, isn't it? Genius. What, you know, <laughs> Absolutely. Especially don't monolith. Monolith. Brilliant. <laughs> Let no, Lord Hudson the, forgive me. In his mercy, I'm sure he would. Um, <laughs> implanted on the brain. Implanted by the brain of the sickening parasite. Yes. What's, what, what's going on here? Implanted on the brain of the sickening parasite. So the sickening parasite being the, the vampire itself. Yeah. And um, once again, um, this might even be Sean Hudson, mm. um, although it might equally be a um, Friday the 13th film. Um, I think there was a bit of a trend in the 80s to explain demonic possession or um, supernatural body horror, very possibly in the wake of Alien. Um, and these things were sort of given a pseudo explanation in the literal form of some sort of parasite, very often on the spinal cord at the back mm. of the neck, mm. um, specifically so that Tom Savini could really enjoy himself uh, by having... by manufacturing a, a, a vile effect of a sort of worm-like parasite emerging from the host's mouth after Oh, death. yes, yes. And um, Star Trek's done it a couple of times, hasn't it? I mean, obviously not to the same gory effect, but, you know, I, I can think of uh, Contagion from TNG, and there's something similar in Wrath of Khan, I think. Um, so this is not, this, you know, this, 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 it's a well Yeah. Um, am I right? There was a Friday the 13th film which explains that Jason is, in fact, a mind parasite. There's something about that, isn't there? In, um, um, yeah, like Jason 9. I think it's, I think, I think, Doc, it's the one before he goes to space. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, if I'm right, the one before he goes to space is... Um, the one where he much vauntedly um, goes to New York City, um, but apparently doesn't do anything of the kind that you would imagine a brutal and well-armed serial killer to do once let loose in a crowded city. Mm. Um, so, yeah, um, alien mind parasites. Um, I, I, I think we're a bit of a trend in the 80s. The Friday the Thirteenth film you're trying you're you're thinking of there, Doc, is Friday the Thirteenth Part Eight. Jason takes Manhattan, <laughs> which is it's an absolutely terrible entry in the series. But it is notable for the fact that he does kill one of the one of one of the young victims with a flying V guitar, which is which is great fun. <laughs> I had completely forgotten that part. Yeah, um, yeah he. he um... He actually pushes a flying V through her stomach cavity, That's if right. I remember correctly. Yeah, you're correct. Um, 
Come on, linked together by one trait. The hellborn need to kill. I love that. I love that phrase, hellborn. Anything where you put a hyphen and then the word born just automatically sounds kind of menacing and horror, doesn't it? You know, video game, bloodborn is brilliant, you know. Um, Wormborn is something I've, I've, I've read in the past. And it, it just put born at the end of it, and it's, it's fabulous. There is also a very pleasant small town in Wiltshire called Wimborne. Oh, lovely. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but because it contains the fragment born, it just mm-hmm. automatically sounds somehow slightly menacing. A bit more sinister, um, yeah. Um, and then we have Tom's repetition of kill, 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 kill. You know, that's not a technique he, he deploys very often. It's dead effective here. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Um, in terms of analysing the lyrics, there's not really no. a lot to analyze there's not um, much to say is there really no apart from kill and yeah kill and yeah it's, it's it's possibly an invocation to kill i think you might be right let, let, let's get to the last section here which is quite long actually Emerging from their hellish tomb, taking flight amidst the night, the evening skies are raining death, swooping down from shadowed skies, taking simple human form, shed their wings to stalk the mortal man, lock their jaws into your veins, satanic soldiers strike their prey, leaving corpses waiting for the change, blood dripping from the jaws of death, not enough to satisfy, they must drain your soul of life there we go and, that, and, and, and that's the lyrics wrapped up um i mean it's 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 it, it, it's all very very descriptive um you know could this is this the first track where we have really managed to extract no kind of meta meaning from it at all i'm not sure um we've got the re-emergence um, of a couple of continuous themes mm. um driven by instincts of centuries of horror. Um, it's only a tiny, like almost brushing reference to it. Um, but it's this thing that Slayer love to talk about a lot, <clears throat> um, that um, effectively evil lasts for a long time. Yeah, um, evil endures, isn't it, basically? Like darkness endures. Yes. Yeah, you're, you're right. Yeah. So tangentially, that tangentially we could say that is linked to like the endless war phenomena, couldn't we? Yeah, and that coupled with we have an explicit reference to satanic soldiers. Yeah, you're right. I know um, that too. Yeah, and um, it just makes me that that does nothing but make me think of um, sort of supernatural war comics from the late seventies. Can't mm. remember any titles. Mm. Um, I used to see them occasionally um, in the very cheap, sleazy newsagents on the ground floor of Tannhaus Flats. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and no idea what the title was, um, but uh, the covers were always great. Uh, the yeah. covers were always like uh, rotting zombies in Nazi uniforms. Yeah. Um, or um, uh, ghostly tanks made out of skulls um, driving out of the mist. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I have nothing. To... I have nothing further to say about these these lines, Doc. So unless you've got something to extract, we'll 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 get to the overview. What do you think? Um. Yeah. I mean, it, the last verse. It, it's it's a bit of an addendum, really, isn't it? So I yeah. mean, we've we've got a quite a nice sort of take on a couple of different vampire legends. Um, we've got a bit of Slayer's cosmology mm-hmm. yep. um, of um, enduring evil and enduring war um and then we've got this sort of almost like exercising creative writing um Mm. at the end Uh, Mm. it it, it sort of reminds you of the kind of creative writing exercise you'd get in your first couple years of comprehensive school and you know it it would be like right read this short story by Sheridan Le Fanu and Mm. summarize it in your own words and then write your own ending to it yeah no you're right oh the 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 satanic soldiers did did interest me a little bit um, I, I get, but it, we've already covered it, really. You know, are, are vampires from hell? Are they satanic? I'm not quite sure. That line, leaving leaving corpses waiting for the change. I mean, we could, uh, are they going to go through the menopause? What's, what's what's happening here? I mean, of course, I know what it really is, but you could interpret it multiple ways, couldn't you? Um, not enough to satisfy, and that's talking about the blood. No, no, I'm done, Doc. Come on. Um, I think I am too. Yeah. Welcome to part four of Slaytanic Vercast here. We'll just offer our final thoughts and summations and discuss anything we might have inadvertently missed along the way. But before we do that, some details. Writing credits here. Music by Jeff Hanneman. Lyrics, wait for this doc, Tom Araya, Kerry King and Jeff Hanneman. I think this is Tom's first writing credit, isn't it? Yeah, but mate, um, that part um, where there's four subsequent lines that rhyme that have the same rhyme at the end, I know who wrote that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, no, you're right. I his know who wrote those lines. Yes, his grubby fingerprints are all are all over it. But interesting, all th- all three are credited. Uh, still no Dave Lombardo credit, incidentally. Um, According to Setlist, this track was played by Slayer 556 times, which puts it in 16th position overall. Um, first played Radio City Anaheim on January the 26th, 1985. Anaheim, is that uh, California, Orange County, I'm thinking? Yeah, it's <laughs> one of those like south from Los Angeles places. Last played, uh, The Republic in Honolulu um, on October the 12th, 2015. So, you know, they played it pretty consistently, but interestingly, it didn't, didn't play it at all over the last two or three tours, which is a bit of a surprise, given that it is Dave's favourite song. Um, come on then, Doc, any final thoughts? Um, it's another really good track. Yeah. Um, it's another track that I didn't expect to find on this album. Um, it's got tons of atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, I find these Slayer tracks, which sort of have, have the aspect of a, 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 a bit of a creative writing exercise um, about them. Um, I find them charming um, more than anything else. Yeah. Um, I certainly end up grappling with myself about them quite a lot less than oh i don't know something like the previous track yeah mm-hmm. 
and it, it just a thoroughly enjoyable song. Yeah, I, I, I quite agree. It's it, it's rock solid. It's got loads of loads of ambience, as you say. I like the I like the construction of the song. You've got the three distinct phases or passages, if you like. Um, I don't think there's a bad riff in it. I like Tom's vocal delivery. That weird produced middle bit is really, really interesting. I mean, maybe not entirely successful, but very, very interesting nonetheless. Yeah, it, 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 it's just rock, rock, solid. Are you ready to pronounce, good doctor? I am, ah, yes. Come on then, let's be having you. Because I enjoyed it so much, um, just because I enjoyed it so much, no particular standout moments for me. Um, I really enjoyed the garagey, trashy, amateurish, and in my opinion, completely intentional production style on the middle section. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed the fact that it blindsided me a bit and started off mid-paced and then went slow sure. and then went fast. Mm-hmm. I really appreciated the, the funny time signatures and the interesting production choices. Um, and um, I still can't call it a great track, but it's a good enough track with enough interesting stuff for me to give it seven. Seven, seven liquescent swords out of ten. I think that's a very, very fair score. And in fact, I'm going to match you. I'm giving it seven mutilated most schools out of ten. Okay, that about does it for this episode. Don't forget, you can contact us on Twitter at Vercast or on email at slitanicvercast at gmail.com. Join us next time when we will be discussing the fourth track from Hell Awaits entitled... Dramatic pause because I've forgotten to make a note. Praise of death. I look forward to it, Doc. I will see you then. See you later.